Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. And so if we are only changed by beholding Jesus in the gospel, then what we're doing here by opening up Titus and talking about Jesus, what you're doing now, listener, as you're sitting in your car or on a run mm-hmm. or whatever, listening to this podcast and hearing the gospel is you're encountering the person of Jesus mm-hmm. and that will change and, sh- and safeguard your heart. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Seth, how are you? I am feeling great. Yeah? A little, feeling great? I mean, a little tired. A little tired. But I'm ready to talk about Titus. Could be all the study. Could be all the study. We <laughs> did like a marathon study session uh, for this and our next podcast in the book of James. Yeah. Uh, so I just feel like study fog, yeah. but I'm also like excited to get the ideas out of me yeah that'll probably out. be good you get yeah. you've been filling up the sponge and now yeah. i get to ring you out that's 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 the <laughs> truth that's the truth so okay so we're starting in titus, titus. today we're doing an overview of that book mm-hmm. uh what do we need to have in our heads as we come into the book of titus in some ways the book of titus is a pretty easy book to understand okay paul is sending his co-worker titus to the island of crete to install some leaders who have a really simple message to teach They need to teach that Jesus has appeared, and they need to devote themselves to good works. Okay. It's like, that's really the summary statement. It's found, he says it pretty explicitly in chapter three, verses eight. We should insist on the good news that Jesus has appeared and then devote ourselves to good works. And that's the book of Titus. It's like, it's like (laughs) a nice little bow. We're not talking about the kingdom of God. We're not talking about these great, like... Deep mysteries hidden behind. Although, although we do have the lazy drunks of uh, Crete. We have profiteering circumcisers. We have we have a, what happens when Jesus appears in the preaching of His word. So we got some weird, we some do crazy have some stuff here going fun on. Fun stuff to talk about. But the message behind it all is fairly simple. <laughs> We're gonna come down on. Let's talk about God appearing, and let's talk about what it means to do good works. Okay. That's what we're talking about. But you're right. Let's talk about Crete. Okay, Crete. It's an island in the Mediterranean. All right. Is this the only book written to an island? 
uh, Revelation was written, written from an island. From an island. <laughs> uh, but I guess that might be Maybe. true. It might be true. Um, it has no significance. I, mean, I just <laughs> thought it was an interesting trivia fact. Um, yeah, so it was. it's an island in the Mediterranean, and it was a port city for a whole bunch of trading routes within the Roman Empire. So yeah. there were several cities along its coast where ships from all over Rome would come, drop off supplies, pick up supplies, and then ship them throughout the rest of the Mediterranean. Yeah. And civilizations like that are typically um, really upstanding and... Oh, oh no. You know, you mean, have you ever heard of, like, Tortuga? From Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and, like, this is where all the pirates go. This is where, like, all the sailors come. And Crete was just known for being the safe haven for disreputable... I mean, almost the entire... At one point in history, almost the entire island... So men were employed as mercenary army laborers. Oh my goodness! So like, they're guns just, for hire. Guns for hire. Like the island of Crete was like it's that's like where a, you go to get your muscle. It's like in Star Wars: A New Hope at Mos Eisley Cantina, <laughs> yeah. where Obi Wan Kenobi says, uh, "You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy." And we also have a quote like that here at <laughs> Titus. Wait, 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 hold on, what? Uh, this is Titus one twelve. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, so. Uh, a Cretan philosopher yes. said this, Cretans are always liars, <laughs> evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Mm. And then Paul follows us up with, this testimony is true. <laughs> <laughs> so they are they are even like self-identified as yeah. this wretched hive of scum and villainy, and they're proud of it. And presumably pretty proud of it. And some people have connected this to the god Zeus. Oh, why? Presumably... Zeus was born on the island of Crete. Oh, well, oh. Um, I guess I never thought about Greek gods being, like, having... Having birth narratives. Or, yeah, with birth narratives. And yeah, so apparently he, origin he was birthed on the island of Crete, and Zeus was just known for being a seductive, manipulative, lying type of god, and apparently these people have just taken the message of Zeus to heart. So, so Zeus was a jerk? So, yeah, I mean, like, if... I just saw the new Thor movie, Love and Thunder, and oh, like yes. Zeus and Love and Thunder is a fairly accurate representation. I mean, a milder version yes. of what we uh, see in actual mythology. But yeah, so the the Disney cartoon Hercules lied to me about Zeus. He's I, not this nice. I wasn't father allowed figure. to watch <gasps> Hercules as a kid, and it was hasn't been one of the ones that's made it on my list. Yeah, he's just like this, like really proud father who wants the best for his son, and he protects Olympus, but then. One of our staff writers was talking to us about Zeus. She's very familiar with some of his antics, <laughs> and she's so disgusted by him that she's, she regularly will not engage in conversation. She's literally refused to tell us any stories about yeah, Zeus. Because <laughs> he's apparently, she's like, you don't want to have to go through the therapy you'll need after me telling you what the stories of Zeus are about. So apparently he's a really terrible guy, yeah. and that has birthed this city, this the, island of terrible people. This has nothing to do with the book of of Titus. No, it's just... But, no, 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 no. The, oh. This next fact I'm about to oh, say okay, has nothing okay, to do okay. with the book of Titus is that apparently the Cretan mythology also claimed that Zeus died oh. on the island of Crete and was buried in Crete. But all the other Zeus worshippers around uh, the Mediterranean were like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Gods don't die. <laughs> right. Zeus can't be dead. And all the Cretans were like, no, 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 he's dead. No, he's dead. His tomb's he's right over there. here. That's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Yeah, so they're just known for being a whole bunch of rabble-rousers, weird, oh left of center, 
lazy, gluttonous, brutish people whose theology is bad, according to the Greek philosophers. So they're just... And so Paul has the hot idea to plant a church there? Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know where it sounds great to plant a church? The lovely island uh, of Crete. Of Crete. How about, uh, a, how about a nice paradisical holiday there paradisical pa- paradisical like pa- paradisical paradise Par- anyway <laughs> idyllic holiday idyllic holiday, holiday titus and it's not really going to be that for him poor um, guy. no it's it's not so okay. he sends titus down out there and he's supposed to preach the truth that jesus christ has appeared jesus has come and he has both demonstrated and transformed us to live godly lives which oh. make which makes total sense yeah i mean got, if anybody needs a godly life it's these cretans it's these cretans but what's really fascinating about yeah. the book of titus is that sure you've got a, a nation full of mercenaries who are morally terrible and <laughs> hang out at zeus's tomb <laughs> hang out at zeus's tomb that nobody else agrees is a real thing so in this den of immorality mm-hmm. I would have expected that most of the letter is dealing with all the different ways. Like, let's let's talk about mercenary behavior. Let's talk about sexual licentiousness. Let's right. talk about seduction. Things let's that talk... like, get picked up more in like First Corinthians and like, yeah, other and letters he'll from make, Paul. He'll make mention of that. But this dead center of Paul's bullseye is not Cretan immorality. It's false religion. Right. And... This is a fascinating point, so much so that we were confused about it. Like, wait, wait, we thought he, we lived on Crete. Right. But all he's talking about is these people preaching circumcision. <laughs> so what's going on? Yeah. Um, and so we should just open up to Titus 1, okay. chapter 10 through 16, which okay. is where t- uh, the longest like dialogue that Paul has with Titus about these Judaizers. There are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. So we should probably pause. Yeah. What's he talking about when he says circumcision party? Yeah, I mean, clearly there's a party that someone's throwing. <laughs> and they're all getting circumcised. <laughs> all circumcised. <laughs> Welcome to the circumcision Welcome to Crete, party. guys. <laughs> Just right at the dock, right whenever you, you get aboard. Uh, no, the party, I think there is more of the language about like a, like the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a group of people set apart by their ideology. Okay. And so you've got the party of circumcision. And typically when Paul is talking about this sect of Judaism inside of Christianity, Christianity. he's talking about something very specific. The, the difficulty here that we have to be careful of and just want to flag for everybody is a lot of scholars have talked about how we don't want to view this as a homogenous, unified movement that was happening in Asia Minor and Crete and all these different places that Paul's interacting with, that somehow there was this circumcision party headquarters and they were sending out missionaries. Okay, okay, But it was probably just like, it's a logical conclusion that you have Jewish people who read the the Torah Mm -hmm. and they were used, they were like, oh, you have to get circumcised. It's in the Torah. And now that I believe in Jesus, you still gotta get circumcised. You still have to do the thing. So So the party of the circumcision is a group of Christians who are teaching that in order to really distinguish yourself from the surrounding culture and truly obey God, you need to get circumcised. Yeah, I think the only nuance I would add to that is were they Christians or were they people who maybe claimed were, yeah, claimed that like Jesus, maybe Jesus was the Messiah. Uh-huh. Maybe he did fulfill some of the uh, messianic expectations of the Old mm-hmm. Testament, but that doesn't mean you don't have to get circumcised anymore. This is what you have to do to distinguish yourself 
from the surrounding culture and be a part of the covenant people of God. That's how it's always been. That's how it always will be. Even if you believe in Jesus, even if he's died for all your sins, you still have to be circumcised to separate yourself from the surrounding culture. That's right. God appeared to us on Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. He revealed to us the law, and he's given us the way Mm -hmm. to be set apart from the world. Mm -hmm. This is how you do it. And I can imagine just being a, a parent on the island of Crete, and I have a group of teachers that come in and they say, like, you've got to separate yourself from the culture. You can't be like Cretans. And mm-hmm. one easy way to know that is eat kosher because everybody else is eating pigs. Circumcise your sons and act in accordance to God's laws. Take a rest on the Sabbath when everybody else is working. Right. And this way you'll be a very clearly defined community inside the immorality of Crete. And you can wall yourselves off that way. That's right. The law is the distinguishing feature. Okay. Uh, for God's community here, whether, you know, like, yeah, Jesus, great, but it's the law. And what's but what's crazy is, like, okay, that we've painted a very sympathetic light. Paul says these are empty talkers, insubordinate, deceivers. Verse 11, they must be silenced because they're upsetting whole families by teaching this doctrine for shameful gain. Right. So it's like Paul speaks really poorly of this idea of separating yourself out from the culture by following the Jewish laws as the way to please God. Like mm-hmm. he is, has, wants nothing to do with it. And right. apparently people want to hear it. Maybe talk about that. Why do people want to yeah. hear this so much that they'd be willing to pay for it? Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying about the real threat to Christian vitality wasn't Christian immorality and all the sin and Moss Eisley cantina-ness yeah. of it all, but it was religion which religion is always a man-made system to earn God's favor. And so that is what's so dangerous is because in in something like circumcision, you're able to take, whenever it's cut off, you know, mm-hmm. pardon the pun, to uh, from everything that it represents and the story of God that it's bound to that Jesus fulfills. When it's just an act that you do, mm-hmm. even resting on the Sabbath or right. performing this ritual or eating a certain diet, when those acts are just perform to earn God's favor completely separate from the the heart, completely separate from the kind of person he wants mm-hmm. to make you into, the relationship he wants to invite you into, they become shortcuts to like mm-hmm. buying God's favor and they actually never change the person. Right. And so religion can come and it can make bad people worse yeah. because it, it gives bad people a license to continue to be bad without yeah. transforming them. And those who are able to capitalize on it get rich and they can spread that message even further and right. gain more political well, capital. Well, I guess my question is, but, but why do people want to hear that message? Oh, yes. Like, why Why do is it attractive to hear the message that I have to cut off part of my penis? Like, why oh, is, that like, right. like, why is yeah. that, like, something that I'd be willing to spend money on, uh-huh. right? Like, that's what he's accusing them of. And, like, right. so why is that compelling? Yeah. We painted a sympathetic vision. Like, uh-huh. this is how you separate yourself from the certain culture, but, like, people are now profiting off of this idea right totally what's so compelling about this why is it so powerful yeah that paul has to use such strong language yeah i mean it's it's consumeristic religion it's a religion that costs something but doesn't cost everything mm-hmm. and so you're able to buy in to the grace of god and appeasement of the gods mm-hmm. without actually changing your life without actually laying down your life i mean the same thing happens all the time with everything from televangelists selling holy water to you know catholic indulgences you know back Mm -hmm. in the day is we'll do anything we can to be able to find shortcuts into being right with god and that's attractive to us because it's much easier Mm -hmm. than actually obeying god and submitting to god and being transformed into the image of god 
We'd much rather just buy a bracelet that says, oh, I'm WWJD, than mm-hmm. actually doing what Jesus would do. Mm. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I'm also thinking just like probably the emotional power of that appeal. No, no. Like all, if you just like don't work on Saturdays, mm-hmm. if you just don't eat pork, your kids are going to be fine. Yeah. They'll be sheltered from the, the craziness of the world. Just do these four things and they'll turn out all right. Twenty dollars, please. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's right. like, oh, I'll I'll support that ministry because right. that's so that's that's easy. I can I can do the stuff, and then I have the assurance that my kids will be okay. Mm-hmm. I have the assurance that I'm okay with God. Yeah. Like it's easy to feel the weight of that. Like if I can right. just do certain things that separate me from everybody else around me, yeah, I can feel self righteous that I'm yes. better than the people around me. Right. I can be a, justifiably afraid and angry at the culture around mm-hmm. me, and I have a whole bunch of teachers who tell me that I'm right and they're wrong. Yeah. That's an appealing religion to me. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, and to talk about it, because they were profiting off right. of this. It was a circumcision party. And you and I have talked off air about how circumcision, one way to talk about it, is a Jewish identity marker. Mm-hmm. That was the way to know that you're in and not out. Mm-hmm. And so it really is, in right. this in this situation, it's kind of helpful to think about it like getting a bracelet or a badge or mm-hmm. some piece of belonging accoutrement yeah that is just like oh you're a part of the group right and it's like well that's an easy sell yeah because it's you can buy your way into the group Hmm. and buy your way into that identity and into that feeling of safety into that religion okay and so well yeah so so back to your point then paul says that that's the main problem yeah and not necessarily the creation of morality that he actually doesn't he use the prophetic quote about them being yeah. lazy and everything against the circumcisers. Yeah, the people who are claiming to separate themselves from Cretan immorality. Paul uses the quote, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons, to refer to the people teaching <laughs> r- strict moral observance to the Jewish law. They're the real Cretans. They're the real Cretans, which is kind of, which is... Oh, yeah, and doesn't Cretan mean liar? It does mean liar. We forgot to mention that, yeah. Like, yeah, so it's like, they're the liars. Yeah. It, they're the, lying. The word in Greek, to be a liar, is kretizo, which is from the word to be a Cretan. Mm. To be a Cretan is to be a liar. To be a liar <laughs> is to be a Cretan. And these people are lying to you about the way to please God and distinguish mm. yourself from the world around you. Okay. All right. So then that's what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. How does Paul instruct Timothy to respond to all of this. Well, verse 13, therefore rebuke them sharply <laughs> that they may be sound in the faith. So it's like, <laughs> so like rebuke the false teachers. <laughs> What's so funny about that is how much time we spent in first and second Timothy where that wasn't Paul's instruction. We, yeah. we, we noticed how they had some different kinds of issues going on with their leadership and their false teachers. Mm-hmm. And Paul was like, don't engage in their myths don't get down on their level. Don't get into the arguments. Instead, just stand up on Sunday and preach mm-hmm. from God's word. And here, he's like, all right, go show them what's up. Well, therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths. The mm, same phrase same used phrase. In, uh, from Timothy and the commandments of men so that they turn away from the truth. So I mm. wonder if he's encouraging the same kind of rebuking yeah. that we imagine. It's not that... Timothy was not supposed to like critique false teachers. Like the way that you critique it is by preaching truth. Yeah. And here he's kind of 
I think maybe doing the same type of thing. Rebuke yeah. them by teaching the truth, which he's going to go on okay. to define in a couple of minutes. But I mean, either way. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, so his his first bit of advice is rebuke them. Yeah. And then he says truth. this really interesting phrase: "To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. For both their minds and their consciences mm. are defiled." Did you hear that verse growing up? I did. What did you think it meant? That, like, if I was going to be a pure person, I could only engage in pure things. To the pure, all things are pure. I don't think it made sense, but that's how yeah. it was always like taught to me, I think. Yeah. What's interesting is that we've been talking about, okay, religion is the main problem. <laughs> and this is part of his critique of the religion in the way that Timothy's supposed to respond to it. Yeah. Respond to this false religion with the understanding that to the pure, all things are pure. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, here's what I think he's trying to get at. Okay. Circumcision, eating kosher, mm-hmm. these these following the law. All purity rituals. All these purity rituals to distinguish yourself from the culture around right. you. These are the commandments of men. Yeah. They are adding to the true regulations of the law of Jesus Christ. They're adding something mm-hmm. to what Jesus Christ has done. They were, the, they were the commandments of God. Right. So how can he call the commandments of God commandments of men? Right. I guess one way to understand it would be to just mimic what Jesus' critique of the Pharisees were. Jesus said that they weren't following the law because they were adding a whole bunch of regulations on top of it. The Sabbath says to rest in the Sabbath. Not that you can't pick heads of grain off mm-hmm. of the field. If you're, you're a poor, hungry person. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a poor, hungry person. <laughs> right. They're adding regulations, commandments of men. Right. I guess the other way to, to say it is that, well, because Jesus Christ has saved us by grace alone, the, we don't need to follow the commandments of these men in mm. order to receive salvation from God. Right. I, I guess yeah. you could probably think... Or, yeah, I think that makes me think of maybe another way that he might be getting there is to get circumcised for any other reason than it was intended by God, yeah, which was to point to the Messiah that from mm-hmm. the reproductive organs of Israelites, the mm-hmm. Messiah would come, yeah. but to do it as a means of earning God's favor, that twists mm-hmm. the command right, away right. from being a command of God and into being a command of men. Yeah. Okay. So I think all three kind of circle the same all, truth. Yes. Okay. I, okay, I understand. So they're turning away from the truth by following Jewish myths and the commands of men. So what that means is, though, that to those who are in Christ, to those who have been purified by Jesus, eating kosher or not kosher is okay. To those who have been purified, everything is pure. Kosher Uh, food's pure, not kosher food is pure. pure. Can I say that a different way? Yeah. See if I'm understanding you. So if you're pure, meaning you've been saved by Jesus Mm -hmm. through grace. In just a couple verses, we'll be told that we have been made pure by Jesus. Okay, so so yeah. So a Christian can eat pork. That's someone clean in Jesus can eat a formerly unclean food. They can be circumcised or uncircumcised. To the pure, all things are pure. Yes. So to the pure, pork is pure. To the pure, uncircumcision is pure. Mm-hmm. To the pure, the Sabbath is pure. Yeah. To those who have been made pure by Jesus, you can work on the Sabbath or not work on the Sabbath. To those okay. who have been made pure by Jesus, you can eat pigs or not eat pigs. Okay. So I think that's what he's saying. Okay. Yep. I got it. But. To those whose minds and consciences have been defiled, to those who place their hope in external markers of identity to separate themselves from the culture, uh. nothing can ever be pure. Why? Because everything is either a plus or a minus on their inclusion or exclusion in God's kingdom. Mm. What I eat, 
Does God like me more? Does God like me less? Is how I treat my body? What's on the line there? Your conscience is on the line in every one of those circumstances. Your salvation scorecard's always going up and down based on your behavior. And in that sense, their consciences are defiled because everything either makes them self-righteous or self-pitying. I feel better about myself because I'm one of the only people who are circumcised in my entire friend group. I feel better about myself because I don't work on the Sabbath, but everybody else in my culture does. So you're saying then, let me rephrase that, you're saying that to the those whose consciences are defiled, which are the unpure, those who haven't been saved by the grace of Jesus, not even actual good, pure things Mm -hmm. are of any benefit to them Yeah, because they weren't meant to make them pure to begin with and they're using them the wrong way. Yeah, that's probably the clearer way to say it. Okay. Because one way Christine said that our our other member of the writing team, if Jesus Christ has made you pure, how can you become more pure? Mm. You can't. And to say that you must eat kosher, that you must be circumcised to make you more pure is to add silver Right. to gold oh and yeah and then now that gold is no longer pure it's an alloy it's a mix Whoa. it's no longer the purest thing it could be because it was the purest thing it could be when jesus christ purified you yeah so to go ahead and add on top of that silver bronze circumcision is to take away from the purity that jesus has already given you mm-hmm. which is why they're defiled as any as, as defiled as any other cretin is right yeah, if I take okay, so I just had like yeah, a picture yeah. of like a purifying water pitcher. Yeah, you know, like I have in my house, and I I'll take water and like I'll, a Brita, a Brita, uh, like uh, a Brita uh, pitcher, yeah, like a, a sacrificial purification, <laughs> like a jar for. Yeah, you don't know about my sacrificial <laughs> water jar. I did not. No, like a Brita pitcher <laughs> that you get from Walmart. Yeah. Okay, so like a, a Brita pitcher, and I pour the impure water up yeah. top, and it filters out, and then it's pure, mm-hmm. you know, in, yep. in inside. Let's say I had two of them. Yep. Right, and I filter both, mm-hmm. and then I've got pure water, and I take more pure water, and it's good, mm-hmm. and I mix the two. Mm-hmm. It didn't make the water mu- more pure. You can't no. do that. No. But if I had pure water on in one pitcher and just tap water in the other, and I, it doesn't matter if I pour the pure water into it, mm-hmm. there's still all those minerals and right. chlorine and all that stuff because that itself was still yeah. impure. I think to the clearest way to say it, like yeah. circumcision was never intended to make you pure. Yeah. It was meant to make you hope in what could make you pure. Right. Yeah, the Messiah. And when the Messiah comes, when Jesus Christ appears, he makes you pure. He will cut off the uncircumcision of your heart. So to insist, to demand that people have to be circumcised to eat kosher in order to truly remain separate and pure from their surrounding culture is to miss the entire point of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Which is why he says this is the biggest problem in Crete. Yeah. Because what all this is going to do is lead to actual more impurity because mm-hmm. you're mixing the purity Jesus can give you with your own sense of self-righteousness, right. your own like way to be pure. It's kind of a complicated point, and we're spending a lot of time on it. Yeah, but, it's, but it gets to the heart of why Paul's so bent out of shape about it. Because I'm also just like thinking about how we fall into this trap all the time mm-hmm. where we feel impure and so we try to add pure things to our lives to fix us it's mm-hmm. like i don't feel like i'm right with god so i'm going to add really good things i'm going to yeah. i'm going to read my bible i'm going to pray i'm going to go to church mm-hmm. all great pure things that you should mm-hmm. do right 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 but right, right, that's right. not going to make you pure <laughs> right and like it never will yeah only jesus alone by faith alone mm-hmm. through grace alone will make you pure and then you're free 
and then all things are pure to you mm-hmm. and you're free to go to church and you're free you know like yeah. it's just like man it's you're free a- to eat kosher because your salvation isn't on the line yeah. your inclusion in god's family oh, isn't on just, the line there's so much freedom there anyway just want to land Prote- that. yeah protection from your center culture isn't on the line yeah it's all given to you jesus mm. Twice in the book of Titus, what's going to happen is that Paul is going to give some commands to a group of people. So at the beginning of chapter two, he gives a whole bunch of commands to different members of a a common Cretan household. Mm. Older men, older women, younger men, younger women, slaves, like anybody that would exist inside of a house. Okay. And he says, here's how you can be pure. Uh. And then he says, here's how or here's why you can Mm. be pure. And he's going to do that twice and then... He does it in a household in chapter two. And then in chapter three, he kind of expands it out to all humanity and says, here's how all humanity can be pure. Mm. And what's fascinating is both times, the way that humanity is made pure is because Jesus Christ appears. Hmm. Jesus appears. And that's what makes us pure. So verse 11 of chapter two, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training or teaching us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So first of all, Jesus Christ appeared. The grace of God has appeared in Jesus, and he brought salvation by dying for people's sins, nailing their impurity to the cross, and then teaching us what it looks like to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves, to live self-controlled and upright lives. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he did on the cross. That's what he did during his life. Mm. He came and appeared and he showed us that. So don't have anything to do with Cretan immorality or this false teaching nonsense. Trust in the appearing and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Questions? Yeah. Uh, oh man, so many. Okay. First is help me connect the dots here with two different things. Yes. One is... Why does he start talking about husbands and wives and slaves? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how does the appearance of Jesus go against the circumcision party? Mm-hmm. Those are like the two yeah. the two things I want to try to draw yes. lines to that I, I, I got lost. So chapter two starts with, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So he's just talking to a group of false teachers who are claiming ways to be on how to truly be pure. And then he goes and says, okay, let's teach sound doctrine now. What does that look like? It starts in the home. It always starts in the home. Mm. Same thing happened in the book of Timothy in a lot of the epistles. Like, where does your relationship with God first hit? Mm. In your house. So here's what it looks like to be pure in your own home. Yeah. And so he's giving a list of commands there. Is there, is there something there with, because we talked about circumcision particularly being um, a way to be distinct. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, circumcision is what made the Jewish people distinct from the neighboring nations, mm-hmm. but it wasn't alone. Right. You know, it also had all these other moral codes to it. Mm-hmm. And it was all the amalgamation of those things that come together to make a distinct, holy people of God. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like some of these people might have been trying to take a shortcut through circumcision to be like, cool, did the religious thing. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't matter how I live. 
Potentially. And he's like, no, if you really want to be a set apart people, the yeah. circumcision isn't what matters. It's how you conduct yourself in the home that matters. Mm -hmm. Because Cretans are looking in on your life and they're like, okay, these are the religious people that yeah. say they follow Jesus. They've done this circumcision thing, but they are just as mean to their wives as I am to mine. Right. So it doesn't matter. Must not be that big of a deal. And he's right. like, no, if you really want to mm -hmm. be set apart and make a difference in Crete, you have to be mm -hmm. set apart in your actions towards yes. your family. Yes. Okay. That's right. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. You cool. And, and this is what that's what purity looks like. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yes. Okay. And then my second question mm -hmm. is you've got the circumcision party mm -hmm. and they are profiteering off of this lie, like Cretans. Mm -hmm. And he says, Here let me just settle the debate for you. Uh circumcision isn't what matters because the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Mm -hmm. Draw a straight line between the yeah. the problem of the circumcisers and the appearing of the grace of God. How do you become part of God's true family? Circumcision. Circumcision. <laughs> no, circumcision. <laughs> right, right. The way that you become a part of the people of Israel, the family of God, is through circumcision. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. You are made part of the family of God. By the grace of God. Mm, not through a work. Not through a work. Not mm. through a badge of identity. Not right. through separating yourself from the culture enough. You're brought into the family of God mm. when the grace of God appeared. Mm -hmm. That's how you were saved. That's right. how you became a part of his family. That's how you became pure. That's how you became pure yeah. was when Jesus appeared. Right. Whatever you think circumcision is accomplishing, no. What you think circumcision is accomplishing appeared in Jesus. Yeah, it that, is interesting. Yeah, he says that he didn't say Jesus appeared. He said grace appeared yeah. and brought salvation. Mm -hmm. So it's like those are two categories that the people are either striving for or ignoring. Yeah. But there is no grace in their system. Mm -hmm. And salvation is through a completely different path. Yeah. And so like, no, the reason why circumcision isn't the answer to belonging and identity and salvation is because... It's grace that appeared. Right. It's a free gift that appeared. Yeah. Okay. I think I think I get that. Yeah. And then it says that that grace appeared and trained us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Do you think there might have been like some kind of link between the cutting off of the flesh and circumcision and the removal of moral unsavoriness? <laughs> like where it's like, if you just get circumcised, you'll be a better person. Well, I think... Like just go to church and you'll be a better person. Yeah, well, it's also like circumcision was the mark of entering into the people of God. Right. And really accepting all the laws mm, of God, like yeah. all the all the Old Testament laws. So if you wanted to be a moral person, you have to do the first one, which is like get circumcised. Yeah. So like the whole law is the, includes all these moral commands. But mm -hmm. when Jesus came and purified us instead of circumcision, mm -hmm. he also came teaching a set of moral laws. Right. He came teaching too. He came, came training just like the law trained. Mm. You come into the community at eight days old, you're circumcised, right? Right, right. And then your whole life, you hear the Torah, you hear the teaching on how to renounce ungodliness. And Jesus did the same thing. He came, purified us, and then he taught us to renounce ungodliness in worldly passions. Mm. It's almost as if like these Judaizers aren't wrong in their desire to separate themselves from the mm. ungodliness of Crete. Like all Christians should want to separate themselves from the ungodliness of the world. Right. But how do you do that? Mm. By trumping up particular works to make you feel better and more secure in yourself. 
how do you do that? Do you do that by being self-righteous in the things that you can do to prove to yourself and others that you're better than them? Or do you trust what Jesus has done for you? And then based on that, you live from that reality. Those are just mm. two different starting places to achieve the same result of being separate from the world around you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that he talks about the appearing twice in these yep. two passages. What do you, What's going on there? He's got he's got an, a, a past tense appearing and then a future tense appearing, right? Yeah, so he, the grace of God has appeared. I believe what he's talking about here is in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in his ministry, in his yeah. teaching. And we're also waiting for Jesus to appear again. And he gave it, and he says again, he gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I think what he's trying to say here is that when Jesus appears again, mm. he is going to collect all of his true people together. And he's going to start a new world, a new mm. creation of, of who? Of everybody who's redeemed, been redeemed by Jesus and who are zealous for good works. And the reason we should look forward to that and the reason we should live godly lives right now mm. is so that we'll get that when it comes. Mm. It's like Jesus Christ is going to appear again and he's going to start a new world and a new kingdom and a new creation. And he's going to start with a particular group of people. And you know who they are? Those who have been redeemed and purified by Jesus and have devoted their lives to doing good works. That's interesting. So one thing I'm hearing is like these people are wanting the profiteering circumcisers yeah. <laughs> are wanting to provide people a mark of identity mm-hmm. that, okay, get the mark. And mm-hmm. when Jesus comes back, He's taking the ones who have that mark. And it seems like Paul is saying when Jesus comes back, he's taking the ones who have the mark of good works. Yeah. Of a circumcised heart. Yep. That they've been purified, so they live pure lives. Mm -hmm. Not they have defiled consciences and they're trying to cover it up with pure actions. Yeah. It's really interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. It feels like a really subtle difference. Like, well, what does it matter if you're living pure lives? Right. If the problem is Cretan immorality. Yes. Who cares if I get it by believing I'm better than other people right. versus if I care, I do it because Jesus saved me first and I'm living from that reality. That yeah. feels like, well, we're doing the same thing. Yep. Right? I, mean, I feel like people say that all the time today. I, I can think of friends who live really morally upright lives, you know, some of my neighbors. Yep. And we look at each other's lives and they're like, we live very similar lives. You know, we both mm-hmm. treat others well. We take care of our neighbors. We love our kids. We, we provide for our families. Mm. You know, there's like, maybe he doesn't go to church. Right. But, you know, that's, yeah. He might look at my life and be like, I just don't see a difference. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is, even just last night, you know, we were talking and he quickly can point the finger at a moment when someone in a church that he went to once, a homeless person came in and they were teaching on the Good Samaritan that day. Oh, my God. And the ushers just kicked the homeless person out. Oh, no. And, he just saw that irony right. and that hypocrisy. And he was yeah. like, those ushers are going straight to hell. Right. Like, yeah. And I was like, for someone who doesn't really even believe in hell yeah. or God, <laughs> you're very quick to see the problem, you know? Right. And, mm. and so yeah. he's trying to live a life that would not go to hell. Right. Right. And he judges those who, who mm-hmm. do. And, and so we both live very similar lives. We both would take care of the poor, mm-hmm. you know, when we're given the opportunity. But we're going to come at that from two different pathways. Like, yeah. he's going to come at it from the pathway of, like, I don't want to be a bad person. If there is a hell, I definitely don't want to go to it. I see what you're saying. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would come at it from, like, I was poor. 
Jesus yeah. loved me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love this guy because I want to. Mm-hmm. And they're different pathways, but like from the outside, like you're saying, they might just look the same. Mm-hmm. So like, why does that make all the world of difference? Uh, because one assumes that you have been saved and the other one assumes that you're saving yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. that's a really, maybe a really simplistic way of saying, right. of saying it. But like the circumcisers believe they're saving themselves through their actions. And that's leading to self-righteousness. Mm. Christians believe they have been saved and they were just like every all the Cretans around them. And he's about to say in chapter 3, verse 3, that we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient and led astray and slaves to our passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us, not because of good works we had done in righteousness, not Mm. because we were trying to be pure by our own lights, but according to his own mercy. And he washed us and he renewed us and he made us new creations by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Mm. Yeah. It does seem like he's going all in on, look, your salvation, your grace, your mercy, your hope, it just appeared. It didn't come mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. It came from somewhere else. It right. was There was an epiphany, which is like the Greek word yeah. that's used here. And that's not something you ginned up yourself. Yeah. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> it came from heaven to earth. And it's like he, he's trying to, it looks like he's really trying to separate what God mm-hmm. does in Jesus and what we do in the flesh. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the use of the word appearing to be the opposite of circumcising right like the, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. two ways to purify yourself mm. you could cut something off you or like you, and like really like in, yeah. in that in the most visceral sense possible for men who right. wanted to join the party but but also like cut off that behavior cut right. off that action yes. cut off that thing like there's like okay i could be purified in a sense mm-hmm. in that way or I could have my purification appear. Right. <laughs> given to me for free. Yeah. And from that, move forward. Yeah, it's such a, a different idea that we think that we can manifest our own purity, salvation, the rights to grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. And the gospel is that all those things have just appeared, mm-hmm. manifested themselves apart from us. In God's kindness, love, and grace. Yeah. yeah. It's an up down relationship instead of a down up relationship yeah. God appears to us to give us grace and mercy and salvation and he's not waiting on us to do something down here to then earn his favor up there mm-hmm. uh, that's the biggest thing it's right it's a complete reversal of who Cretans and most of the world thought the gods or God w- was mm-hmm. that God was waiting for the right sacrifice of flesh his pound of flesh before he would yeah. do something he's like no 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 you don't have to cut something off to make God appear, right? Mm-hmm, right? He already appeared to cut something off of you. Yeah. It's just so different. He's purified you. Yeah, he's already purified you. The yeah. thing you've tried to do, he's done. By Yeah. <laughs> he says in the next line, so, so that you're, you've been justified by his grace. You've been right made right by his grace. You've been purified by his grace. Why? So that we may become heirs to eternal life. He's mm. He's doing it all. There's two ways to get to heaven. One way is to do everything perfect all the time, always. <laughs> the other way is to have heaven come to you, yeah. and then you live out of that grace, love, kindness, that gift 
that God has given you. Right. Because you're pure now. Because you're pure. Yeah. He's washed you with the Holy Spirit internally, which mm-hmm. is something that right. circumcision can never do. That knife can't cut that deep. Right. And what's interesting is like Paul's language still doesn't seem justified mm. in a sense because why is he calling them la- like lazy, liars, beasts, insubordinate, empty talkers for oh. just believing that I want to do good work so God will like me. Right. Like, so that I'll get to heaven. Like, that feels like such a common misunderstanding of Christianity. Yes. I will get to heaven when I do more good things than bad things. Right. <laughs> right? Like, that's yeah, yeah, such yeah. a common misunderstanding of Christianity. Yeah. But Paul goes all in on it. Right. This is the doctrine of beasts. Mm. Uh, like, it, it shocks me still to hear it that, so, like, part of me wonders if I don't understand fully the damage these types of teachers were doing in Paul's day right? that justified this kind of reaction. Or I don't understand God's grace well enough to be scandalized <laughs> when it's Degraded. threatened. Yeah, threatened. That's even by something really well-meaning. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably one of two things going on there that I think you've put your finger on. One, it's so scandalous because it damages the free gift. Yeah. That... God has done so much to make sure that he gets all the credit and all the glory for our salvation, that it was free and that we would be purified Mm -hmm. so that we might just love him for that free gift. And anything that we bring to that equation that damages it is horrific because it's covering up the pure gold. Mm -hmm. It's trying to add silver to the pure gold Mm -hmm. of what God has done. Yeah. The other thing that might be way less philosophical and way less theological is there is probably just more going on in the culture in Crete with these teachers than we are seeing. Although Mm -hmm. Paul does use this type of very loaded language in almost every single letter that he confronts this heresy. Yeah. So I can't get too contextual. But they are making money off of preaching circumcision. Mm -hmm. So like there might even be this just like, really, you're just a lazy mercenary preacher who's hawking some really cheap gospel yeah, and making a profit off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there could also right. be the boots on the ground reality. Of yeah. They actually are like beasts and lazy. I mean, at one point he says they're ruining homes. I was like, yeah. is that hyperbole or was that actually happening right. on, on some level? Yeah. If it was actually happening, well, I get it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of, okay. So we, we've talked about a bunch of different things. Yes. And I feel like everyone listening and even myself, I've found little nuggets of good news throughout it Mm -hmm. but before we like land any other planes we've kind of i think rounded out enough categories to go like why is titus so far in the circumcision conversation and the appearing of christ conversation and uh, we used to be cretes and now we're pure thing like what do you think is the like really big good news here for us that might just make us worship on the spot yeah it's that Eternal life, purity, mm. just appears. <laughs> it's like in God's grace, mm. in his kindness, in his love, everything you need for eternal life and to be pure before God and in front of your neighbors just appears. I really love that because, and even like thinking about the Greek word epiphany, you yeah. know, it seems hollow and shallow and too good to be true, fairy tale like mm-hmm. for you to put it like that. 
Yeah. It scandalizes me in the gospel a little bit. And it's usually when I know we're on to something good. <laughs> it was, I'm like, I don't know. That's probably too good of news. It just appears. Yeah. yeah. But I think that is beautiful that the gospel, your salvation, your mercy, your way out, your mm-hmm. connection to God, it just was an epiphany one day. It just mm-hmm. appeared. You didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And where it came out of was heaven. And where yeah. it came to was Bethlehem. And what yeah. it and what it did was it died on the cross for you. Yeah. And you didn't do jack. <laughs> like, right. You just appeared. You. I mean, we weren't even born yet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it, he just appeared. I'm thinking, too, about earlier on, it says that it appears in the preaching of the word. I was going to be my final okay, point Okay, good. Go there. Because yes. I'm like, that's what's so like, happening to us right now. Like Jesus is doing this to us right now. Yeah, so... What's the good news? Everything you need just appears. Yeah. Trust that. It's so cool. Devote yourself to that truth. Insist on that truth. Like Paul yeah. is. He's going, calling people lazy beasts. Who for saying anything for, else. For say, so insist <laughs> on this truth, <laughs> yeah. Titus. Devote yourself to the good works that that demands yeah. from the right motivation. But to your point, Paul opens up his letter by saying this. He says, it's a very long sentence, and I'm trying to get away with it. <laughs> Not reading all of it. <laughs> Just uh, do it. You can so, do it. This is how he opens. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowing of the truth, which accords with godliness, which we've, all these things have been on the line, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word. So appeared through his word. Hmm through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our savior. It's difficult for me to follow all of that, even as I'm reading it, but the cliff notes is Jesus Christ appeared. Yeah. Right. Right. In history. Right. At a moment in time, he's going to appear again to gather to himself a people devoted to good works and who've been purified by Jesus. But Paul understands that when he is preaching, when he starts teaching, Jesus appears again mm. at the proper time, manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted. That transforming power of Jesus, that purifying power of Jesus, that eternal life-giving power of Jesus appears when Paul, Titus, and godly leaders, these elders that Titus is supposed to appoint, start preaching the mm. truth that God appears and he commands us to live lives that are godly. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all experienced that. I mean, which who, who among us <laughs> right. have n- weren't saved by a manifestation of Jesus through right. preaching. Yeah. And it could be right. at a conference or a church or a church camp or sitting one-on-one with somebody, yeah. but, or, or sitting with the word mm-hmm. of God, the Bible, except for the, the other like crazy stories I've heard about dreams, dreams, like Jesus literally appearing, manifesting himself to them still doesn't break this whole idea. Mm -hmm. But all of us were saved when we've been preached the word of God and something in our hearts happened. We're like, Jesus just appeared to me. Yeah. How can I hear if no one preaches to me? Right. That's what does it. Right. And like, and that happens in various degrees. Like some people have really strong experiences Mm -hmm. spiritually. Others just feel convinced, but the preaching of God's word creates an appearance of Jesus, a manifestation yeah. of his person. Yeah. Which feels almost dangerously sacramental. 
No, I like, don't think that's wrong. Like yeah. the idea that Jesus is where his teaching is, yeah. is like Jesus is where his teaching is. Like, yeah, like okay. he's appearing when we talk about the gospel. He's yeah. appearing to transform people when we talk about his redemption on the cross. Like, that's what happened on the road to Emmaus, right? Mm. You have two men talking to the appeared Jesus they don't recognize yet, but right. as he's explaining the gospel stories of the Old Testament, their hearts are burning in them. Mm. Jesus is beca- is appearing slowly to them as yeah. as he's talking to them. Right. And mm. well, just imagine also the encouragement that is to Titus as a pastor of oh. a church in a culture that's just brutally immoral. I'm surrounded by people that are lazy gluttons and drunks and beasts, but Jesus is where the preaching is. Yeah. And if I keep teaching that Jesus has come, all purity is found in him. Eternal life is found in him. Mm. That changes the culture. That changes the Cretans. I can rest there. Yeah. I think this like hits home with me really heavily when I think about how in line this is with, my motivation for wanting to start spoken gospel in the first place. Yeah. That I was convinced just like Paul is here, that if you're going to fight this kind of stuff, the impure living, the Mm -hmm. false doctrine, Mm -hmm. the mismanagement of the household, all this stuff, what you need is you need to remember that Jesus appeared to bring you grace and salvation. And he's going to appear again when he saves you. So those, that is the gospel and it will change you. Mm -hmm. And then what he said at the beginning is every time you hear the gospel through the preached word, Jesus appears to you again. Mm-hmm. And so if we are only changed by beholding Jesus in the gospel, then what we're doing here by opening up Titus and talking about Jesus, what you're doing now, listener, as you're sitting in your car or on a run mm-hmm. or whatever, listening to this podcast and hearing the gospel, is you're encountering the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. and that will change and, sh- and safeguard your heart. Like, yeah. that's amazing to me. Yeah. I think I've always thought about it. Like when I hear the gospel now, it throws me backwards mm-hmm. into the completed work on the cross or forward mm-hmm. into the the return of Jesus or even presently upward into Jesus interceding for me at the right hand of God. Yeah. It always throws me somewhere else other than where I am. Yeah. And what might be being said here, which I'm still just wrestling with, yeah. is when I preach the gospel to myself or when the word of God preaches it to me, when I meditate on it, when you as a friend speak the gospel over me, Jesus is there. Jesus is where his word is. Yeah. And that just like kind of changes the game for me. Well, what did Jesus say to this? What was Jesus' last word to his disciples? Uh, Go go into all the world teaching. Right. There's my teaching. To obey my commands. Right. And I will be with you always. Jesus is where his word is. Jesus is where his teaching is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that that makes a ton of sense, too, with why he talks about the Holy Spirit here and why we're able to to think about, like, when we read the Word, where we're being with God. It's time mm-hmm. with God when I go read the mm-hmm. Bible, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. It's his inspired Word. And it's like, well, yeah, we're, where the Word of God is, Jesus is there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. it, it seems a little mystical or yeah. sacramental, but there's something really beautiful about that. Yeah, that I, I mean, I what's really more mystical with. than God appearing? Right, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, like an epiphany uh, of God. Uh, it's mystical in one sense, but it's also like, what more earthy way do you want it? I got right. words on a page, and Jesus shows up. Right, that's very soily. I, I I spoke a couple ground. words in front of a church, and then God was there. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it, it, sure, it's, it's, it sounds mystical, but it's actually very practical. It's very practical. I don't have to dream in a cave. Mm. I can just talk and open up a book 
and read some words or write some words. Mm. And Jesus is there as I preach to myself or preach to others or talk about him. And what does he do? He redeems, he yeah. saves, he transforms, he purifies. It's good. The gospel has appeared. The gospel has appeared. Okay. Well, that's Titus. That's Titus. That's awesome. Well, thanks for that, Seth. And thank you guys for listening. Um, it's been it's been really fun in, in this one. So we will uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.